right, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast, and we have another very exciting guest for you today, uh, Mr. Harkara Hardy, who is a motivational speaker, an author, CEO, and producer of Not Your Average Success Story. So very glad to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you for spending time with us. This podcast is brought to you by Zero Gravity Skin, a prolific leader in the aesthetic devices market, delivering anti-aging, complexion clearing, hair growth, and pain management solutions across the globe. Featuring the Perfectio X, a two-in-one device which treats both pain and signs of aging and is actively working to reverse cell damage accumulated over time. Also, the Relaxio, which provides damaged cells with the vital energy necessary to quickly renew and recover in the most optimal way. For more information, please visit zerogravityskin.com and use code Dr. Derek 30 to receive 30% off your purchase. Again, that's zerogravityskin.com, promo code Dr. Derek 30. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, this is very, it's very special um, for me in particular because uh, I've done a lot and uh, I, I kind of pride myself on being low with the things that I do and just being humble. Um, so the fact that you extended the opportunity out to kind of shed a little light on the things that I've done. It, 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 it means something special to me. So I, I definitely appreciate you as well. Absolutely. Well, you definitely need to be applauded for the work that you're doing. Uh, you know, I came across your story, I believe after I interviewed Keon Howard and you introduced yourself and I started to look into the work that you're doing and saw that you're from Laurel, Mississippi as well. Um, and excellent work that you're doing we'll get into the work that you're doing a little bit later. But first, just kind of tell us about yourself uh, growing up in Laurel, Mississippi, and your family. All right. So as he said, man, born and raised 18 years, Laurel, Mississippi, L-Town, between the bricks. If you don't know nothing about it, then you probably ain't from it. So man, uh, grew up on the west side of Laurel. Um, Laurel in general, you know, a place, uh, not many opportunities, you know, not a lot of positive role models. Shout out to the ones that are my big OGs, Akeem Davis, who you have uh, interviewed, you know, in the past. Thankful, I'm thankful for him, whether we interact, interact much or not. He set the pillar and the foundation from 2007 all the way to this current date for young black men in Laurel, Mississippi and show that it's possible to make it out and it's positive, it's, it's, it's possible to be, to lead a positive life. Um, because a lot of the interactions that a lot of the guys uh, that grow up in that area aren't the most positive. So like I said, grew up in Laura, man, I came up, I'm a, I played with the Eagles, peewee football. My father was the football coach. Um, from there, you know, came up through the Laurel system, started running back at Laurel High School, won Mr. Tornado. A lot of people don't win that either. You know what I'm saying? That's one award. So just to kind of give you an idea of the type of young man I was, I ran track. I was very active, you know, on, on, the, on the campus and different things like that. And I was fortunate enough. Uh, in 2011, shout out the class of 2011. Uh, very fortunate enough to get a track scholarship to Midland University in Fremont, Nebraska. 
How does that come about? So at what point did you learn about Midland University? Dog. All right. So <laughs> my story with Fremont, man, is deep, but we ain't going to go too deep. Like I was going through a situation at the time, heartbreak, you know, high school, sweetheart. It was mm-hmm. tough. And uh, I remember, you know, just applying for different schools. I was talking with Memphis. I was talking with Heinz, um, Heinz Community College. My parents were kind of, they weren't necessarily pushing Jones, um, Mm. but they always uh, used it as a, like, it's an option. Um, And again, just through applying, through applying, through going through my heart, my heartbreak, I get an email from Fremont, Nebraska, coach Justin Horner, hit me back like, hey man, I'm 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 interested uh in what you could do. Um I like your times. Obviously we need to work on them, but uh if you're you know open and willing to coming out, I think it'll be something cool. And I remember man initially <laughs> when I read it, I'm hyped because you know there was nobody in my graduating class that went that far, you know, and so for me, like and the thing too with my decision, like I was a I was a pretty cool guy. I'm not gonna, you know, brag, but like I never really got the recognition that the 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 guys that were top tier, I didn't get that recognition, but I was doing some of the same things. So right. when I got the offer, like I didn't know how to, you know, go about it. I didn't know how to react. So I go to tell my mom, like, hey, mom, Fremont, Nebraska, like, can we go? <laughs> right like, down the street. Yeah. Man, yeah. Hey, listen, she said, boy, what the hell? Uh, you, <laughs> Fremont, what is Fremont, Nebraska? And I'm like, dang, okay, so that's, that's probably not going to happen. So, but my mom, I mean, she was entertaining it and she was all for it. But, you know, down there as well as we talk about family and the dynamic of growing up in law. You only know what you know, you know what I'm saying? And what you don't know, you don't know. So this opportunity was very foreign. Like I said, there was nobody else that even dating back to when I first came into high school, first off, just Mm -hmm. in general, there is nobody that has graduated from Laurel High School that has gone that to Nebraska, you know? So we had no prior knowledge. We had no understanding of, bro, how are you even going to get there? You know what I'm saying? And so um, she entertained it but she was just like you you better get to looking you know around around these parks you know um and I just personally start doing the research personally was communicating with the coach personally working out and I just made the decision that you know what hey man like I don't care what I gotta do um I don't care what I gotta go through I'm gonna make this decision and I'm gonna make the best out of it so yeah. So number one, a couple of things you said, number one, you went against the grain because small town, especially small town in rural areas, many times the only opportunity you have is to go to junior college. Right. So it was almost like a reflex. If you didn't get accepted into a four year college or you didn't get a four year scholarship, you go to junior college and you play your sport with hopes of moving on. Yes, sir. Uh, like you mentioned, you had junior college offers, but you are seeing, okay, this is a four-year university and it's in a place where nobody has gone before. So you have an opportunity to do something different and you embrace that 
even being in Nebraska when you're from Mississippi, you know, so <laughs> foreign, foreign land for sure. So what was it like when you got there as far as adjusting, you know, weather changes? Woo! Uh, <laughs> you know, you're coming from a, a place in Mississippi where a lot of African-Americans and then going to Nebraska, <laughs> that's going to be totally different. So, Man, um, it was really... You know, a lot of people you and and I mean, e everybody has their experiences and their understanding of the term adjustment. Um, but when I say adjustment, like I really want people to understand, like 18 years, growed up in one place. That's all I knew. And as soon I literally remember the day, like my mom, my mom, tough as rocks, man, like she don't. She don't show emotions. She's just, it was just how she was raised. She just, she's just tough, man. And as we're going through the orientation, I'm, I'm like meeting people. It's like, it's almost like I'm, I could see the, the release of the parent from the child. Like I could see it, but I was so busy in, you know, interacting, doing what I had to do, getting signed up. And I just see my mom over there in the corner, just trying to, you know, hold her toughness. And she broke down. And I was like, dang, like this is this is this is real. And yeah. that same day was the day that they left. And you know, I said my goodbyes. We drove, um, packed my mom's truck up, we drove all the way. I mean, it's nothing to me now. I literally drive that ease. But back then, like my mom and my daddy was going through it trying to make that drive. <laughs> so um literally we were sitting in the back of uh the building that I uh that I stayed in my freshman year. And I was just sitting outside on the bench. We had got everything put in the room, everything situated. And I just remember sitting there. I think that I think my mom even got a picture somewhere. But I was just sitting there and I just watched him drive off. And when they disappeared, took a deep breath, got up, went in my room. And to your question, my first semester was a uh, a shell shock experience. You know, I was surrounded by a lot of individuals that one I did not know. Uh, two that I could not, uh, that I didn't have anything in common with at, at, at that time. Uh, so I literally went to class, went to practice, and I stayed in my room my whole first semester. Like my roommate at the time, he was different, small town guy. Um, we had nothing in common. He had a lot of different, uh, a lot of different issues. He was allergic to a lot of things. He needed the lights off at a certain time. Like these are things that you don't really know about, you know what I'm saying? But like even yeah. the adjustment with him, you know, it got to the point where he just, he needed so much accommodation that they just moved him to another room. It wasn't that we were beefing, but it was just like, he just needed so much. And uh, yeah. so I ended up just getting the room to myself. And for a guy like me growing up, I've shared rooms my entire life, shared beds my entire life. I had my own room, like, this is mine. Like, I literally took his uh, his bed and my bed, put it together. So I had a, a master Queen bed, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was hyped, yeah. man, I was hyped. Yeah. But that, uh, so after that first semester, I came home um, Christmas, you know, talked to my folks, let them know what was going on, let them know where my head was. And I came back after, you know, some pep talks with them and I just, I just put my feet to the ground, man, um, and and fully, fully embraced that opportunity uh, going into going into my second semester, getting involved on campus, really like establishing myself as a 
uh, track athlete, you know, on the on, on the team because at first, again, like in Laurel, we don't have a lot of resources. So, like, we're, we were fortunate enough for guys like my father who has been the foundation of the Pee Wee League in Queensburg, just being able to pour into those kids. And the city doesn't give a lot of money to it. So my dad, I literally used to watch him take the little money he had out of his pocket and pay for equipment. You know what I'm saying? Pay for a kid, pay for food, come down there and cook for kids just so that they can have that experience. But with track, I didn't learn until I got to college that there are other states that how we start Pee Wee at a young age, they start these younger sports at a younger age. So when I get on the campus, I'm getting bust. And I was, <laughs> I was nice in Laurel, you know, based off of the, the training and the situation that we had. But when I got there, bro, like I said, it was just, it was tough because I'm trying to establish myself and I'm trying to, this is what I'm here for. And literally freshmen, upperclassmen, they, they, they were leaving me in the dirt. But that second semester, man, it was just, I, something just clicked. And I just started to develop another level of dog that I already had. Um, And I just always kept in my mind that I was never going to experience kind of what I experienced in high school in terms of being the guy, but not being referred to as the guy. No, I'm going to be the guy and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to refer to me as, as that guy. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about, you mentioned kind of, walking on campus and realizing, all right, there's a gap between where I am and where my talent level, or excuse me, where my competition are starting. And you have talent, right? But talent's not always enough. What was it about talent and then you send the dog in you that, you know, putting those two things together that made you be able to be successful in the end? Were you just saying, I'm going to outwork everybody or, you know, I know that I'm, I can be the man here. Man, uh, so with track, uh, it's a, it's a, I went into it because of how I was taught that it was a team sport. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn very quickly that yes, it is a team sport, but no, it's an individual sport. And my coaches literally had to force that in my mind because I was just so team oriented and I was just so for the team, for the team, but my team was busting me and I'm sitting <laughs> here wondering like, for the team, for the team, but you, you know, again, you, you, you're not competing with the team. So right. like I said, uh, I, I, I definitely, I had great teammates in terms of their athletic ability. So I was very blessed to be able to be able to compete at a very high level um, at practice every day. And again, weather changed. So we're running out. So I remember my first time, man, we had to run outdoors and it was snowing. <laughs> and I remember when I got back in the facility, my hands were frozen. And the first thing that I did, which uh, public service announcement. If your hands are frozen, do not go and put hot water on your hands. The first thing I did, because that's all I knew, ran yeah. in there and put hot water all over my hands and then they locked up even more. And I remember laying on the ground 
And my teammates, they they just walking, you know, they're, they're, they done got their workout in, they done. And I'm almost in tears, you know, at this point. And I remember my coach asked me if I was okay. And I'm like, uh, uh, I can't even really talk. He just walked past me because he's a, he was accustomed to it too. And yeah. it was at that moment that I realized like, okay, Kira, like, nah, bro, like this ain't, this ain't it. And like I said, it's just, whether, whether that was in the weight room, whether that was on the track specifically, I just turned it up another notch. And when I say turned it up another notch, what I mean is just uh, because it, at the end of the day, it's all mental, you know. Um, I just had to start doing the things that I needed to do to get to that next level. And it, like I said, it just it just worked out. I just I I could care less. It wasn't about if my teammate was beating me. It was about Kira. Did you get one percent better today? All right, Kira, did you get 2% better the next day? And gradually, like, I literally climbed a long ladder. And before it was all said and done, people were respecting me, you know? And so, like I said, it's really, it's really a mental decision because the physical, like I said, with track, I can't speak to no other sport. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to catch you and it's going to, chin check you and it's going hey are you are you really about what you're talking about like did you really prepare like you thought that you prepared and if you didn't that physical aspect of it is going to all right buddy we need to slow down but when it's locked in here like it doesn't it doesn't like and that, that was another thing like so with track as well growing up down at down in laurel on the track team my coaches would always tell me, like they would always just yell, finish, finish, finish. And I'm just thinking, okay, I just got to finish the race. Like right. as long as I cross the finish line, I finished. But when I got to college, I started to understand what my coach meant when he would yell finish. And it wasn't just finish the race. It was like, just keep, keep going. Like, and that, that simple trick, that simple understanding change the game for me, change the game for me. So how does that correlate with life? Um, you know, I can still hear my high school coach telling me to relax and run, you know, and what he meant is about when you get fatigued, you want to tense up, right? But you got to yes, still stay, you know, relax and hold on to your technique. What is that finish? Do you still hear that in your, in your day-to-day life, Dale, when you're going through situations? Man, I, man, I love, shout out to every coach that has been a part of my life. First and foremost, my dad, like I said, he started it, but uh, I've been fortunate enough to have some very amazing coaches in my life that uh, really invested in me um, that I still talk to, to this day. Um, Yes, I, I definitely believe that with just that specific term finishing, I mean, just with the work that I do specifically, which we will get to. But in general, um, there are fatigue moments in life. And and naturally, uh, you know, we as human beings, normal, I I don't consider myself normal, but the normal individual will listen to their body and shut it down because that's what that's 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 comfortable and 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 there's nothing wrong with that but since i understood what it took to get to that next level in track and i've translated it to what i do work related like if i need something done 
it's going to get done if 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 just like I was just telling you earlier, like the lady, she just sprung something on me. Like, can I get in your car? Finish. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. What do you need me to do? Where do you need to go? Because that that's gonna open up another opportunity. Um, so yeah, man, it's like I said, it's really all it's just it's really, it's really mental, man. It's it's, it's really mental. The Sabre training bat is like no other training bat you've ever used before. So the purpose of the Sabre training bat with its modified barrel is so that you can perfectly sequence and get behind the ball, getting the bat on plane sooner, creating less miss hits, more line drives, higher batting averages, and more exit velocity. The Sabre training bat is the number one training bat on the market. Sabre Bats, the training bat that's going to take you to your best swing. So let's talk about your baby, not your average success story. So yes. tell us what that is, number one, um, and how did that, you kind of birth that idea? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, man. So you said my baby. I like how you referenced that. So, uh, <laughs> Not your average success story, guys. Oh my goodness. Not your average success story. So 2016, man, I meet one of my fraternity brothers. I had seen this guy around. He 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 wasn't a big talker. Um, he always had a camera. He was at every party with a camera, real quiet, didn't say much. And a lot of my fraternity brothers at the time, you know, they like to talk about sports and just different masculine things and again nothing's wrong with that at all but you know guy like me all right that's cool but let's let's talk about something deeper so I just randomly brought up who likes movies you know who likes scary horror movies and that same guy that never talked that was always around with a camera his eyes peeked up and I see it and I'm like okay Hey man, what's up? Like, let's, let, let's, let's, let's chop it up. So we start the conversation about, you know, uh, our, our movies in particular. Um, and, and I started asking, cause I've always been a curious guy. So man, what, you went to school for that? So he went to Langston university, uh, got his, got his, got his bachelor's in, in, in working with film, um, uh, uh, a film director. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so much to him, but I told him, I said, Hey man, uh, if you are willing to listen, I really think I have something, like I personally have a story that not only is worth telling, but I think it could, it could, it could, it could do some things. And lo and behold, he, he, he sat there and listened. So we talked, man, I could go into detail of just how all of this transpired, but before the Not Your Average Success Story movement started, I created a personal documentary. When I started this journey, I, 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 I knew that it wasn't gonna be an overnight thing. I knew that I needed to get out there early and establish my foundation of who I am and what I represent. So if all else fails, if you meet me 10 years from now, you can look at that documentary and you can have a good understanding of the type of man that I am. And then if you come in and you look at the work, just at, you know, the, the random times, you can go all the way back to the beginning and realize like, oh, dang, like he's been doing this for a while. So yeah. 
we titled it Aramos. Aramos is the Greek trans translation of maturing, growth. And at that time, I was, that's what I was going through. Like I was going through an evolution. I was maturing, I was growing. And in Aramos, what I wanted to do was address several, several different things that we as people, we are kind of conditioned to overlook as not a form of success. And so, but we go through these things, everybody does. And so I'm like, okay, like I, I gotta, I was telling, I was telling like, so his name is Julian. I was telling Julian, I was like, man, like I gotta figure out, like, cause I, ha I have so much, but I gotta figure out how to put this together in a way that it hold, it gets people's attention, holds people's attention and then convinces them that I'm, that I'm about what I'm talking about. So I talked about how, uh, a lot of people will say they can't be successful because of where they come from. So I go back to my old neighborhood. I show you again, born and raised uh, on the west side of Laurel. Houses boarded up. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was a like I said, there were there weren't any positive role models. Me and my brother, we were the only guys with a basketball hoop outside. So literally every day, as soon as we get out of school and bounce the basketball, everything <laughs> came to the front of our house. So right. we were like. First, first and foremost, we, we were shown it every day. Um, so I talked about, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you come from, you can still be successful. I went to my old high school, I talked to different administrators and uh, they gave their perspective of success as well, which is different from what we see, but they also reiterated the type of young man that I was at that time. Um, I talked about how I dealt with my grandmother's passing because at some point we all are going to deal with it, but how you respond to it can be a form of success. And then as well, so I'm like, all right, all these things are cool, but I'm like, man, I need, I need something to put the icing on the cake, man. Like I need people's emotions. I need them to understand that I'm serious. And ironically, during that time, my dad's kidneys had failed and I was going through the process, which it is a process. I was going through the process of getting ready to donate a kidney to him. So if you know anything about that process, you gotta be a match. You so they gotta run your blood. That's gonna take. That's gonna take a while. You you have to. You know you, your body type, your your body lifestyle. Like you have to live a certain a certain lifestyle to even be able to do that. So going through all of those procedures, and ironically, man, I kid you not, literally captured it on video. As I'm riding to Mississippi with Julian, mind you, we're I'm, at this point. I didn't know if that was gonna be a part of this documentary, but we're on the road. This is months after I done sent my blood in. I hadn't heard from the people from Oshner, like nothing. Me and Julian are on the road. I get a random call from New Orleans. Hello? Hey, this is XXX from Oshner. Oh, snap, Oshner, I know, I recognize that name. What's what, what, what you want? You know what I'm saying? You, you, got, something, you got something you wanna tell me? Um, and they told me, man, it was just like, hey, uh, we got the results back. Everything's good. You're a match. We're not going to tell your father. We want you to tell your father. And I'm like, dude, like I'm literally like an hour away from home right now. And, you know, with me and Julian at that time, when I told him, he was just like, oh, my God, like like because he we did we did not know that was going to that that was going to happen. So, uh, again, to go back to a Ramos. Um, we captured that. We captured going through the process of me, you know, 
preparing myself for that procedure and ultimately kind of got to watch it to uh, see how things turned out. Um, but ultimately, all of that tied into my initial in reintroduction to the world. And it was, man, it was beautiful. It was super dope. My, I had a friend, shout out to CJ Miller. He had a trailer, small little trailer. I didn't, I don't even think I had a, I don't know where I was living at that point. <laughs> I don't know where I was living at that point, but he had a small trailer. I hit him up. I was like, hey, bro, like, do you mind if I use your living room, invite some people over, have a showing, like, I'll pay you, like, whatever. I mean, he's a good friend. So he was like, bro, you ain't got to worry about that. So, bet. man, went and got the poster, put it on the wall, literally got footage of people next to the poster, talk to the, the people that I showed initially, they're in tears, like, they feeling it. I had food, drinks, and everything. Just and it was it's just crazy. Bro. Red carpet affair, huh? Man, it was, it was, it was, I really wanted to treat it like a, a legit thing because the preview had built up so much anticipation because it was only like 30, 45 seconds. So people were just sharing it. And mm -hmm. I'm just keeping people in the loop, keeping people in the loop. It's about to drop. It's about to drop. And like I said, so my dad, he's pretty. He's pretty, you know, known in the community and the things that I've done in the community as well. And out here, people were just like, hey, like, what is what is this dude talking about? I want to see what he's talking about. So, like I said, I was able to take footage of the people that were there, take pictures, and it just made it made so much more of a like hype behind it. So when I dropped it, it like literally shot past the thousands uh, within that first day. And, but we had to eventually take it down because uh, I wanted to enter it into different film festivals and they had different stipulations and things like that. So uh, I ended up reloading it, but coming back to Not Your Average Success Story. So Ramos was the foundation, solid foundation. Always, if I fall back anywhere, if I stop talking to people, I will fall back on my story. So right. um, from there, it was like, okay, I had to realize really quick that uh, it was just a moment. That's all it was. I just explained all of that to you. And that, mm -hmm. I, that, that was probably three minutes of this interview, but it, that's, it happened just that fast. And skipping over a lot, I was riding a roller coaster. I like to reference my journey as a roller coaster. A Ramos, I was at the top. Then it's like, okay, what are you gonna do next? And I come back up, I start selling t-shirts. <laughs> a lot of people love that. That process was a learning experience because that was my first initial introduction to entrepreneurship in a form of, you're going to spend a lot more money before you receive anything. And so I was literally paying to have the shirt printed. I was hitting people up out of my respect for them in the positions that they were in specifically, in the lifestyles that they led specifically. And I said, you know what? Hey man, I sent you, I don't even need you to pay me. Just take this shirt, put it on. Cause it says, I am, you are, we are success. And it's not your average success story. And so it, in, a, in a sense, it I wanted you to claim it. And I wanted a person seeing it, I wanted it to catch their eye and make them go, what, what, what is this? And then you, you walk up to it and you understand like, oh snap, like this is actually, you know, pretty cool. So I, I man, I, I sent out so many shirts, bro. And it, it, it was, it was tough. But then I had to come to a realization of, all right, Kira, 
you spending way too much money. You got to figure out something else. So kind of to what I do now, not your average success story, just kind of got birthed in the midst of all of that. And the idea behind not your average success story, like I said, was to just give people a different way of looking at success. So right now with what I do specifically, I travel, man, and I talk to different people. And the basis of our conversation is something that that individual had to overcome at some point in their life. And the idea behind it is that we're all, everybody in this world, man, everybody is uniquely different and they dealt with something that's specific to them that makes them who they are. But there's somebody out there that can take something from something you say. There's somebody that's going to watch this that's been following me, that's been following you, that just be some, maybe somebody new. And they're gonna take something from our conversation. So the idea was to highlight the fact of you overcame whatever that was. You know, hey man, you woke up today after what you dealt with yesterday. Success ain't so far off. That's, you, you are successful. And it's up to you to determine whether you're successful or not. Because again, we just shove so much so many things via media that kind of portray what success is, which I honestly feel like it is making us even more lost, you know, mm -hmm. because we're aiming for things that are attainable, but it's not that that's not what it's about. And you'll end up losing yourself trying to chase that. So, yeah. So one thing I say on my show all the time is that, you know, I want to help inspire you to achieve the level of success that you deem, you know, appropriate for your life, right? So my definition of success, your definition of success is different, but everybody has the ability to achieve that level of success that they want. There it is. Yes, sir. And yeah, so so I pretty much, I, I started doing all of that via video because shout out to Julian Jackson, man, Julian Deshaun Jackson, the one and only, um, my big OG, he taught me how to edit and he taught me how to record. And I literally, I was like a sponge, man. And that was a whole process. Like I'm a, like I, so I was, <laughs> when I was, when I wrote in the, uh, I don't know if it was the title portion, um, when I said author and motivational speaker, I, I kind of uh, put in parentheses that I'm speaking certain things into existence. And so, I'm going to be a published author. And that's one of the things that I'm going to um, discuss is just that process because it sounds cute. And obviously people have seen a lot that has, you know, uh, happened since, since I, you know, started doing what I did do, but that was a process. And so um, I highlight the fact that they overcame it. They give advice to somebody that they may, that, that may uh, have known that, or, you know, may not have known that. And that's that's pretty much it. And my goal, man, I just want to <laughs> I just want to shake the world, man. And 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 it's happening. It's just it's just it's just a process. And you've done this now for what about three years? Shoot, man, since 2016, I've been on the ground as far as with the with the with the episodes or just yeah. Just yeah. Uh well, in general, since 2016, the episodes, I think they started around. 18, 2018, yeah. And how many uh, episodes have you released? Oh man, uh, right now we are at 104. I am currently on season nine. Um, I have 
interviewed 13 new people. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's dope. I'm smiling. Cause I don't, I don't reflect a lot. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those individuals that are, that's very forward thinking. I'm one of those individuals that I try not to get so caught up in the things that I've done. Um, because to me, and it's just my opinion, that's just time that I could be investing in things in the future. Uh, but when I do get moments, rare moments like this to just kind of speak on it and like, think about it, like, I'm like, wow, like, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. And you deserve that. You know, so I've listened, I've looked at multiple episodes, including your own, you know, and as you because I looked at your episode or your story probably about four or five months ago now. And as you were talking about it, I was like, that's right, that's right. It all started to come back. Yes, uh, but tell everyone how they can follow not your average success story and you know how they if they're interested in being a guest, how they can reach out to you. Yes, sir. So, man, uh, I try to keep everything me. Uh, I'm the only Harkira Hardy in the world. So um, if you search Harkira Hardy, H-A-R-K-E-R-A, Hardy, H-A-R-D-Y, um, it'll pull up all my stuff. Facebook, Harkira Hardy. If you're on Instagram, just not your average success story. Uh, YouTube, not your average success story platform. Um, Twitter, Harkira Hardy um yeah but yeah that's 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 how you can uh get in contact with me uh I'm, I'm always on my different social media platforms so uh man reach out um if I can't make it happen I like to the thing that's uh unique about my specific platform I I enjoy physical interaction I enjoy energy like in the room so every episode that I've created I either went to that person or we met somewhere. And literally, I can call any one of them right now and they'll pick up the phone because of the energy that we developed recording. And then it's a whole nother experience when I share the episode because like what, I mean, some people know, but like it's, I put so much work into interviewing a person, especially when they're sharing their story, like I try to do my due diligence and I try to almost become the person, like when they reference someone specific in their life, I'll go find a picture of that person and then before you know it, boom, fade it in. You know what I'm saying? And that that provides a, an emotional an emotional uh, pull for them. And, and it just makes them, you know, not only respect me more, love me more, and it just makes more people like, look at it like, dang, like, I would like to be interested. So like I said, man, you could just message me. Um, if we can't make it happen, it's not even a matter of can't, it's, it's just a matter of time, um, but we will make it happen. I feel like everybody that at this point I that has reached out and we actually followed through because on the back end, there has been way more than the hundred that has reached out and left me hanging travel go see them like my time like that's a, that's another that's another thing about the journey they don't tell you about but mm -hmm. I, I appreciate it because it has made me the man that I am today and being able to share you know my experiences with you now but there has been a lot of people so if you ain't serious hey listen <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with a follow ain't nothing sure. wrong with just up you know what I'm saying keep doing your thing respect but like 
just don't waste your time. I'll just say, don't don't waste your time. Okay. <laughs> I like the way you put that. Yes, but sir. yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, you have very personal stories and these are not interviews. These are literally documentaries. So yes. I can imagine, you know, I know how much time it takes to produce a podcast episode. So I can imagine the amount of time that you're putting in to producing each one of these documentaries and people really open up. I mean, you have some real tear jerkers, you know, from what I've seen where people tell you really personal stuff about mental health, about illness, yes, about sir. family conflicts. So you know, it's not just sitting down giving you a superficial uh, interview, you're really digging deep and it's really impactful work and it's really important work because like you mentioned, you're going, you might not be able to inspire everyone, but you want to inspire the person that's going to make that difference in the world. So that's deep. Yes, sir. All right. So on time out with sports doctor, this is your final time out. So you're an entrepreneur, you know, you've literally from pretty much the time you've graduated college, right? You've been on this journey. And like you mentioned, you're not getting a lot of handouts and you're not getting a lot of people to just jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, I believe in what you're doing. I support you financially. I support you emotionally, whatever. But this is your passion and your dream and you're pushing forward. Uh, so talk to that entrepreneur who has an idea, who has a vision of something. Um, they might not be getting the support that they need right now, but just speak to that person about why they should keep pursuing their dream. Oh, man. I could be, I could be the sweetheart Mr. Harkira Hardy and give you the, 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 you know, the, the good chocolate vanilla cake, whatever you like to eat, but I'm going to just keep it a book, man. Uh, it's hard. If everybody shout out to Eric Thomas, man, if, if it was easy, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Um, the beautiful thing about it, man, is who you become in the process because whether you know it or not you you're growing in ways that you would never imagine um don't get caught up in the 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 uh the haze of uh nobody's supporting nobody's nobody understands man I, I, it's all it's literally all the moment all the moment and when you get to that peak which I'm going to tell you something about that peak too. When you get to that peak, it's only a moment, but the peak of one mountain is only the bottom of a next. I'm going to say that again, the peak of one mountain, the top of one mountain, because we're all aiming to get to that mountain. But perspective is very important. The peak of that one, man, is only the bottom of the next. You got to lock in. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, nobody's going to believe. Nobody's going to care. Um, you just got to work harder. Outwork, outwork the version of yourself the day before. And if you live by that process, man, then you're good. But when you get caught up worrying about other people, you're going to have a very short, a very short, I don't want to say career, you're just going to have a very short spurt of, of that passion. And then you're going to ultimately try to find something else. But if you just stay with it, man, stay with it, slowly but surely, slowly but surely, it'll, it'll work itself out. Make sure you finish, right? Yes, sir. That I'm is, hey, 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 boy, you a bad, hey, you, you a bad man. Hey, I don't know what he said. Well, all right, man, I appreciate you coming on. You know, it's been a pleasure being able to share your story. And I see, you know, a lot in you. And I see 
the work that you're doing is meaningful and it's impactful and it's very necessary. So keep your foot on the gas. Keep your foot on the gas for sure. All right, man. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you can continue to get the updated episode. Until later, peace. Stopping. You are now tuned in. Trust you don't want to miss. This is where life, sports, and medicine.